Welcome to Kashras on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashras Magazine. And tonight's show is a little divergence from the area of Kashras, although we're talking about also a kosher subject, something that's important to everybody. In a few weeks from now, we're all going to be listening to the show for blowing. A special, special uh, blowing that goes on in Rosh Hashanah. Of course, we're also listening to it now throughout the month of Elul. And uh, blowing a shofar is not something that just comes without effort. It could take as much as 10 minutes to learn how to blow a shofar. At least that's what our guest, Rabbi Avram Wright, is saying, that he could teach in 10 minutes how to blow a shofar. I'm going to take him up on it, but not on the show, because I don't want you to hear how I sound. But believe that, I'm going to take him up on it, and I'll tell you if it really took 10 minutes to learn how to blow the shofar. And our guest tonight is Rabbi uh, Avram Wright, who has been mechaber of a whole slew of svarim, but he'll, he'll have to mention the names of the svarim. And now he came out with a new one called, believe it or not, The Easy Guide to Shofar Blowing. How to blow, how to buy, tips, Facts, uh, troubleshooting. So this is a new booklet that's out in the stores. Rabbi Wright, tell us a little bit about it. Tell us about the other svarim. Oh, here are the other books. These are the other books? Oh, you want me to read it? Okay. Here's a little bit of an introduction to the book. Did you know that shofar blowing is easy? Real easy. Most people blow in under 10 minutes. Well, I don't know if I'll be that lucky. (laughs) No. They will not be ready to stand in front of a shul and blow with just 10 minutes of training. That takes a ton of practice. But they can go from never got a sound out of the chauffeur, that's me, to good, clear, on the way to perfection sounds in under 10 minutes. This guy will show you how, uh, how you can do that too. Also included are tips, facts, and advice on troubleshooting culled from years of interaction with beginners and advanced baladakia. So you've trained a lot of people over the time? Baruch Hashem, probably in the, in the low hundreds. The low hundreds? That, yeah. That's a big number. Maybe a low hundreds, but a big number. There are people who have done much more than that. But, uh, yeah. No, we've done in the low hundreds. I can't say exact number. I don't keep any record of so anybody you could, that you ever could, came not, No, we're not going to do it on the year, but you could point to the shuls and the yeshivas and say, that's my guy? No, I don't <laughs> keep any record of the people who come. Uh-huh. But you sometimes so, run into them, and they say they're blowing people here. People come up to me, and they say, I learned to blow from you, from your book, from your speech, whatever it was. And yes, I, there are, these people exist, but I can't, um, I can't name them. Okay, but let's start with our book. So this is the easy guide to shofar blowing, and this is a companion to our other sefer, which is called? The, the original sefer, the Kappa Shofar, was an in-depth discussion of the logic behind the theories of how to blow, and how, how to make the different sounds, the, what, the, what a Lamdan has to know. The Kaaba Shofar. Right. Okay. That was the original book, the Kaaba Shofar. This new book is much simpler. It's, everything is short in one paragraph. Everything is very short, simple ideas. It's designed as questions. This is the question that people ask me. This is the answer. It's um, prob- I think there's like 40 questions in there, 50 questions, of the common questions that people ask, and one paragraph, a one sentence answer. Well, let's let's we're not going to practice uh, uh, my blowing here, but maybe you can give us the tips of how you do blow well, what a person should do in preparing for blowing, etc., and and give us an idea a little bit about uh, shovel blowing in general. All right, I would. 
talk about the most common issues that I that people come they they need help with. Some of these are like funny that this should be the issue, but these are the issues that people come with. People who know how to blow or play music might be surprised that these are even issues, but that's what people come up with. One, probably the most common problem that people have when they, people know how to blow and that can't do a good job for some reason is that they slouch. They slouch, they don't stand straight. When you blow show, if you have to stand straight like an army cadet, your, your back has to be straight, your chin has to be level. If you slouch, your, your, um, the, the ear can't travel properly through your system. It doesn't come out with the force. It's like folding a drinking straw in half and trying to suck through it. You're compromised. You can't get any ear out of out, any ear out of yourself. So as much power as you're putting in, you're just fighting against yourself because there's a blockage. Your, your, your trachea is 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 uh, folded. It's it's, it's um, slouched. It's bent. What about the face? The face the, uh, should be forwards. Everything uh, has to be angle? perfectly straight. Uh -huh. The least, the path of least resistance. The, like you know, in um, as a muscle for dryers or any venting, a vent is supposed to be perfectly straight. Every, they say, I think a vent is allowed to be 32 feet long, but every bend in the vent takes off eight feet. Mm. So it's the same idea in Schaefer. Every bend in your trachea takes off some some of your power. So if you stand perfectly straight, with your back straight, your shoulders squared, your chin level. The shoifer as close to center of your mouth as possible. The, sh the shoifer itself has to be level. It shouldn't be pointing up, shouldn't be pointing down, it shouldn't be pointing to the right, to the left. It should be sticking straight out in front of your face. For many people, it's going to block your vision, but that's where it has to be. Any deviation from this compromises the power of the airflow. I, I think I see many people who blow shoifer that they have the shoifer sticking out the side of their mouth. Yes, because the Ramos says it's supposed to be on the right side. So fine, put it on the right side, but still it has to be lined up perfectly to your lips and to your... the ear Every bend in the system causes, costs you. So as much as possible to line it up. I don't advocate putting it straight mamish in the front, like trumpet players put it, in the front of your lips, because the Ramos says put it on the right side. But when you put it on your lips, it should be lined up properly that it shouldn't be bent up, down, right, left. It shouldn't be angled. It should be straight. Yeah. Okay. When you buy the shoifer, you have to take that in consideration that you can blow the shoifer in a position that it's lined, aligned properly with your lips. Some people can only blow certain shoifers if they, if they twist it up, they angle it up, down, right, left. Sometimes it's necessary to do that if that's all you have. But when you buy a new shafer, you should have that in mind, that you want to be able to blow the shafer when it's positioned properly in your lips. So give us a couple more hints about, about buying, because that's really your original shafer, the Kabba shofar. Uh, give us a little bit of an the idea. The Kabba shofar was about how to blow, was the theory of blowing, or mastering shofar blowing. This shofar, this book has, I think, four pages on how to choose a shofar. Oh, really? But you have yeah. a piece there. You have a I have, there I have one footnote. What? We were, then we were discussing it last week. Could we discussed and it And you told us time. how much to spend, 
I remember last we year. We talked about how much to spend. Right, yeah. That's and, true. And over, over, over a certain amount is not necessary. It was, you can get a good one for $100, you told us, and whatever else I remember. <laughs> it was, right, that, yeah. This book goes much more into how to choose a shafer that's appropriate for you. Okay. So, so give us a, a couple of ideas about that, about how to, about how to get a shofar that's appropriate for you. The goal of a shofar that's appropriate for you is a shofar that you can blow easily. The shofar that your friend can blow may not be something you can blow at all. It has to do with the shape of your lips, the natural power that you produce when you blow, when you blow out the air, and the shape of the shofar. So you want a shofar that matches your lips. Some people, I, ask, I do this all the time when a new customer comes to ask me to teach him how to blow. So I, the first thing I do is I tell him to blow without a shofar. Blow without a shofar. Look at the shape of the, that you open your lips. on. The, you know, people open their lips on the right side, and I look at the shape of the, how they open the lips. Some people open the lips round, some oval, some flat, and some many other odd shapes. I look at that shape, and, I tell, and then I... I have a whole bag of shafers. I usually come around with eight or nine shafers, and each one is shaped a little different. And I choose one shafer that I think will be best for his, for his lips. What does it mean when they, people say, that this is an easy shofar? They mean that they had an easy time blowing it, nothing else. No, but is the, the, I think that everybody else finds it easy? The, the, what, usually usually it's, what one person can find easy is well, the next person will find very difficult. There's nothing to do with it. Wow. So th- there are some shafers that are like designed like trumpet pieces. So trumpets are meant to pretty much match anybody. So these shafers are meant to pretty much match anybody. Yes and no. I'll explain to you the difference between a shafer and a whistle so you should understand a little bit what we're talking about. A whistle produces a sound because the ear rushes through the instrument and it goes out from the hole, and that, that's what makes the sound. You're not doing anything. The instrument is making the sound. Schaefer, you're making the sound, and the instrument is just um, amplifying it. So you have to make the sound, and then you have to have something that can catch your sound and amplify it. If it can't catch your sound, it can't amplify it. So you're making the sound with your own lips, and the shafer is catching it and amplifying it. So it has to be designed to catch the sound, the sound that you're making in your lips. If your lips are open in a hole, in a round circle, I mean, and they're making the sound from a round circle, you have to have a shafer that can catch the vibrations of, of a round, uh, round, round vibrations. If you have a shafer that, if you have a person making a flat opening in his lips, a round shafer will lose half his sound. It won't catch half his sound. I, I, one second, I just, I'm just jumping in. Can you demo? I just want to, to see if you can demonstrate it here, you know, because, uh, you know, round side sound. For, for French, everyone flat. listening, Revnism uh, himself is blows a chauffeur in short. Uh, no, 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 nothing to do with, you know, I wish I would, uh, you know, be Baltokea, but this, you know, <laughs> I still remember my our Baltokea in, in Israel before it, uh, we had a tears in his eyes and just right. be. Uh, I, I, Unbelievable. So just, uh, but really, you know, to, to, you're talking about round sound and flat sound. Is it spo- no, not the round sound or flat sound, the round hole in your well, lips, okay. lips land, o- round sir, opening your lips. Like a certain form. Yeah, yeah, lips, but, yeah, like but I, I, again, so what, what is the, is, is it possible to, uh, to get, 
to get the sound from your shofar right now or something like this? I'm not understanding your question. You know, to, to demonstrate, you know, just, you know, first, just right. First, let's put the more, some, more, more simple. Nisim, make a sound as if you're going to blow. And, and tell, with, tell us yeah. what, what kind of... Without putting the shofar to your lips. Yes. Show us what make you Make a do. sound as if you were about to blow. Without the shofar. Hold, just blow from your lips without the shofar. Yeah, so your lips are, are flat. The, the bottom lip is flat and your top lip is arched. That's a pretty common, that's a pretty common shape for a shofar with, with a flat bottom or, or flat top and an arc on the other side. That's, the, that's a shape that you do best. The shofar that you... <clears throat> the shofar that you have here is round on both sides. <laughs> that means that, you, that you'll be able to blow it, but you might do better on, on a different shape. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not saying for sure, because it does match, it does match well, but not, you might do better if the bottom was a little flatter, but maybe not. Okay, so we got, we got, we got some practical advice here. <laughs> okay, what's next? You want to show us? Okay. Now, I also use the same shape shafer that you have. Okay. But I, I never looked in the mirror to see what my shape of my lips are. <laughs> but I just know this is the shape that yes. works. Oh, let's see, yes. let's see, let's see. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit, it's a little bit uh, different than his. Definitely, yeah. All right. Another tip that I, that I tell new customers who claim they never got a sound out of the shafer is, they have to put the shofar over your hole. That sounds like almost like duh. Isn't that obvious? But almost every person who came to me and said, I can never get a sound out of my shofar, made the hole in his lips in one place and put the shofar someplace else. <laughs> <laughs> you know how fast it takes to correct that problem? 10 seconds, not 10 minutes. You can go from 10 seconds not, not knowing how to blow to knowing to being able to blow. Wow. You just put the shafer on your lips. How are you going to find the spot? Stand in front of a mirror, make a hole in your lips, put your finger there that you should be able to sense and feel exactly where that spot is, and then put the shafer exactly where you pressed your finger on the lips. Show us. I'm, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch. Over it. here, I'll do it like this. Put my, my, my best spot is over here. I know that already. I don't have to stand in front of the mirror. Right? I'll put my, I'm going to put my finger here now. It's about two, two millimeters away from the corner of my lip. I have a little bit of opening in my lip to the, on the left of that. I usually go on the right side, but I'm demonstrating on the left side because, that you're, because you're sitting to my <laughs> left. All right, I, put the, I put the opening over here, the shafer over here, and that's it. If I put the shafer over here, I made, I made my opening over there, so then even though... Part of the opening of the shofar, the mouthpiece of the shofar, is going to cover it, get, get some air. It's going to sound very off, that sound, because some of the air is leaking and going the wrong place. And some of the air is not, and I don't have enough air going to the shofar to make a proper sound. Okay. I'm on this side. Let's go. Good, yeah. So let's just put the shofar over my, I'm going to demonstrate the difference between putting the shofar over the correct spot and the wrong spot. I want to you just might not uh, hear anything if I do in the wrong spot. I want to add that to our listeners. Bezat Hashem will do a video on this and how to blow shofar and hopefully uh, when, next Wednesday the, which will be on, on the, our website. Okay. Hashem. So if I put it, if I put the shofar in the correct spot, you'll hear like this. 
a nice, clear, sharp sound. If I move the shofar over even a millimeter to the wrong spot, I'm very uncomfortable doing that because it's not going to get a good sound, but let's try <laughs> If you heard, if you, yeah, I, yeah, if you can hear the sound, yes. it's not as strong. It's, it's not right. clean also. It's not clean. Right, because it's not in the right spot. Yes. I'm leaking air. I, you don't hear it in the shofar, but I can feel it. I'm leaking a little bit of air from my regular spot. Because you, but you compensated. Because yeah, you're such a professional, so you compensated by closing it a little bit, so you didn't have that yeah, much yeah, cut yeah. out. Yeah, it's I, hard for you to do it really hard, wrong. It's hard to do things wrong, right? I spent so many times, so much time practicing getting it right. <laughs> okay. It's hard to get the wrong one. Okay. It goes very much against my grain to do anything that's wrong, and like you know. I'm going to see if we can open up now and get a few calls. If anyone wants to call in and ask any questions, we're our telephone seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight, and uh, you can also text us at three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight. Again, text to three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight, or call us at seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. And no cashless questions. <laughs> Stick only to the blowing of the shofar right now. Thank you. You'll tell us briefly what issues you're facing in your shofar blowing, or the people around you, the, the, the type of tips that the people around you could help be helped by, and we'll try to focus on that. And it doesn't matter whether you're a 10-minute beginner or, or an experienced person, we'd love to hear from you. But until that point, I want to take a couple minutes and mention a few things that are important for our listeners. You know, the people ask uh, on, the, on the show very often, they ask about uh, this Red Bull. So I checked it up with the uh, Star K and the CRC, and I see that uh, the, what we call Red Bull... Uh, it seems all of the additions, that's the way they call it, uh, blue and cherry and orange and red and silver and summer and uh, the tropical, uh, yellow, all these are called additions. They, they all are, you're getting a call there, um, they, they're all, they're all uh, acceptable to the Star K and to the CRC. However, there is one thing that I ha don't see anywhere, and that's what they call not, they, they, that's what they call simply cola. Now, I don't know if there's a problem or not, but neither the CRC or the, or the Star K has it listed yet, the word simply cola from Red Bull. The other thing is somebody sent me something which is very nice. Uh, one of our regular listeners and contact us on a regular basis. He said, Rosh Hashanah is coming. Yes, we know that. And what will you have to be without raisin challah? Although the stores, some of the, uh, the, the, the raisins that are sold in the stores, people are trying to avoid because of the infestation. But he's, I should be able to tell you about how to make raisins. So here's a little bit of a recipe how to make raisins. How to check the, the grapes. I've discussed here many times, and uh, maybe sometimes in the future we'll say it again. But we got now clean grapes, okay? Simply put a cookie sheet of washed, bug-free grapes in the oven at 170 deg degrees or the lowest setting for 18 to 30 hours, depending on the size of the grape. If you want exact... Details, you'll have to Google it, but it's, uh, he says, 170 and 18 to 30 hours. A long time, but obviously they get very, very sweet, and you can take it out and test it during that time. Another thing I want to mention to you is, now we're not talking about 7-Eleven, and I you know, said anybody has a problem with 7-Eleven issues, call me up, 718-336-8544. I do get a few calls. But something happened this week. Uh, I don't read the, the Yated on a regular basis, but I understand the Yated, 
they had this week a roundtable discussion about 7-Eleven, and it was a question of whether or not our children should be going to 7-Eleven, which is something that Nisim and I have been discussing on this show for <laughs> years and years, and Yated ran a, a roundtable. So somebody asked me permission to mention the Kashrus issues that we brought up here, and, and maybe we'll send, they'll send it into the Yated. So, of course, I gave them permission, and I sent them something about it. And now we have a bunch of callers. Go ahead, please. You're on Kashrus on the air with Rabbi yeah. Avram, right? And his sidekick. Go ahead. <laughs> I can't help. Go ahead. You're on the air. Good evening. Thank you for taking my call. I have a question. I wanted to know, how does one wash out a shayfa? Good, good, good. Okay. The first thing I want to comment is, <clears throat> every year, there is the top question of the year. It varies from year to year, but the question is, this question that you're asking is the top question of this year. Uh, it's the I consider it the top question because the most people, the most that asked me questions, the, the highest number of people will ask this question, how do you clean a shayfa? It depends what you're trying to clean out of it. If you're trying to clean it, the dirt, wash it with water. Let it dry. The faster it dries, the better off everything will be. If that's, if that's the problem. If the problem is that there's some left what about, what, about, what about if it's shit? I mean, some, some people shit it. You, so people are schwitzing. It gets, gets, uh, gets sweat in there. The same thing. You, you rinse it with water, and there's, there's nothing else to do about that, as far as I know. This is not really a question on blowing, which is my, really my field. This is more of a okay. question on maintenance, which is not something I spent a lot of time on. But I understand the, the other angle of the question usually is that people, the Schaefer emits a terrible odor of rotting flesh. Oh, yes. Because it was not cleaned out properly in the factory. So peroxide and borax, and these things help a little bit, but not enough, mm-hmm. this thing. Usually the only thing you can do is to get a file. You file it from the, the shaft, the channel side, you file with a round file or, the, or a chainsaw file. That's a round file. You, ch- you file it a lot on that side. And you use steel wool, with the type that the painters use to scrape, to scrape the metal, use that kind of steel wool, any grade will be fine. And you scrape the other side of the shafer the best you can. That's the only way I know to get out the, the, the residue, the, residue the, right, the, the animal residue that still, still may be there. Just by Thank simply removing it. But the, thank you very much. Yeah, okay. Okay, thank you have for the call. Get, have to get your bench here. You too. Thank you very much for calling in. Okay, you're on Kashrus on the air. Can we help you? Hello, you have a, qu- a question for Rabbi Wright? They're not there. We lost them. Another caller? Oh, okay. So anybody wants to call in? 718 683 5858. 718 683 Go back to our topic. I just want to mention one word about our sponsor, which is uh, Glatmart, conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. Glatmart is a, a, a place that we think of uh, as a place with low, good prices, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or for a full wagon load, you can send plenty of money by shopping at Glotmart. And at Glotmart, you'll save time by using their valet perk parking service. Just pull into Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance, and they'll park the car for you and have it ready to load up with all those special items that you've purchased in the store. 
And the Gladmart, the, the quality of meats is A1, with kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vadakashas of Flatbush, with base Yosef meats, and with expert Nikor at Glotmart, you're getting quality kashras. Some of the items that are on sale right now, today and tomorrow at, at Glotmart, Marvin chickens, the whole, the quarters, the eighths, two forty nine a pound. Veal spare ribs, eight ninety nine a pound. Beef sliders, six ninety nine a pound. Oaf tove uh, kitchen, uh, Chicken shapes, nuggets, and cutlets, eight ninety nine a pound. Hadar petite gherkins, twenty four ounce, one sixty nine. Oberlander chocolate babka, two ninety nine. Those are just some of the items that you could get at Glatmart. And Glatmart is conveniently located at twelve oh five Avenue M. M. Meeting your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glatmart, tell them you heard about Glatmart on Kashrus on the Air over J-Root Radio. And now I see that it is absolutely lit up. We're ready for the first caller. Nisim, ready for the first caller. Okay, well, we have some question about cash. Okay. No cashmas. No cashmas. All cashmas? Uh, we have one. Okay, just ask him. Okay, you're on, you're on cashmas on the air. Go ahead, please. Is this me? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, a restaurant Can lost its hashkacha. Well, it was printed in all the ma- magazines and newspapers. For cashless violations, and they got another Ashkacha, the owner of the restaurant saying it was a money issue. How do I know who to trust? Uh, I, I, we're going to have to table the cautious questions. You asked it, I'm going to answer you. But I, I don't really want to. I want to go on to his show for, because we are getting... It's, it's okay. No, it's not your problem. Um, the, the question is like this. First of all, we, and that means cashless magazine, cashless on the air, everything I touch... We try as much as humanly possible to avoid anything called Lush and Horror. We never would write, I mean, uh, I shouldn't say I never did, <laughs> but believe that we never will write anything like um, gross cost risk violations. That really is an unfair statement because unless they pulled in Trafe into the store, what usually happens is the person committed uh, kashrus violations numerous times. One, two, three, four, five, six times, whatever it is. And they, they're dropping him, and they call it gross kashrus violations. But what was happening in the fifth one? And what happened on the fourth one and the third one? He got a reprimand. They gave him another chance. Was the sixth one worse than the fifth and the fourth and the third? And is everybody who is out there now certified, never ever stepped on the toes of the cashless agency, it's not really a fair evaluation to say this word's gross cashless violations unless they really bought in charfus, which is not very common at all. So it's, um, so I, I find that all these cashless agencies are dropping them. Was it money? No. If the cashless agencies had gross cashless violations, I'm with them. There was a cashless violation. Or several, it, or even fifteen of them. Would, just one second. The but the other, but the money. Just one second, please. But the money is always in the background, because a lot of people are not up to date on money. So it's true he may owe money, but the reason they drop him is not the money. They may be dropping him solely for this gross cashless violation, but he may owe money too. And the uh-huh. next cashless agency should really not take over until, A, they found out what was the problem and uh, that there was communication between them and the previous Hashkocha. In Flatbush, we have an association 
We have the KIC, and the KIC is volunteered, and every respect, respectable cashless agency works with the KIC that they don't take on something that somebody else dropped unless there was a clearance from the old cashless agency that, of them taking it over. Because a lot of times they'll say, you can take it if you want, I just can't handle them. And other times they'll say, you know, you know what you're getting into? You're going to definitely be serving something wrong. So that in, in, unless it's been cleared with the old cashless agency in Flappish, you, in the understanding between the cashless agencies, we don't take it on unless it's been cleared by, by the KIC. And if money is owed, Usually that's a stipulation that the old cashless agency is paid up in full before a new cashless agency comes in. So I don't know about your case. I don't know what happened, but I gave you an understanding of what's supposed to be going on. Rabbi, let me just interfere because I know I, I, I really, I just something that's very, you know, I, I know that from personalized stories, you know, some, some guy, a restaurant added two, two ashgachot and one ashgacha just, he couldn't pay it and he dropped it off. And this Ashgaha went out and basically put smear in the them, newspaper, smear, smear, smear them. them. And this is something that I'm telling you, I was very upset about it. And I'm just, uh, till today, I feel it was unjustified and don't do it the right way. And this is not the way of Ashgaha is supposed to Absolutely do. Absolutely not. But I don't, it's, not, it's, it's not as common okay. as you're saying. Anyway, we got, I don't want any of these cautious questions. I want to go back to, to our guest, right? Okay. If, if anyone is not yes, cautious. Hello. Yeah. Hello, you're there. Yes. Um, where do you exactly put the Can't hear. the cipher um, where you want to blow? I, we lost the first few words. Just say the qu question one more time. We didn't hear it 100%. Okay. Where do you put exactly the cipher where you want to blow? Right in the middle, where do you put it exactly? He wants to know where to put it in his mouth? Is In your mouth, you want to know where to put it? Yeah. Okay, go you ahead. You put it on the right side of your mouth. That means... You know where the right, you know where the center of your mouth is, so it shouldn't be in the center. Put it to the right. Any place on the right side is fine. If it's in the corner, not in the corner, any place you feel comfortable is fine. Don't stick it deeply into your lips. Don't try to like suck it or like a straw. Don't put it deeply into your lips. Put it on the surface of your lips. Okay. okay? And some people do better if the shaver is on mostly covering the top lip. Some people do better when the shafer is mostly covering the bottom lip, and some people do better when it's even. It's equal on the top and the bottom. You're going to have to decide for yourself where is the best spot. You, if, it does, if you try on one spot and it doesn't work so well, move it over a little bit to the front, to the back, a little up, a little down. You can move it around a little bit. If it doesn't work the first time, try the second place. Okay. Okay. Uh, what, uh, what grade are you in? Um... Fifth grade? Okay, thank you for listening. Thanks for calling in. Okay, and, and he's a good Batakaya. Oh, <laughs> sounds like somebody knows you. <laughs> okay. Uh, we, somebody asked over here, they didn't hear the name. Our guest is Rabbi Avram Wright, who is the Mechaber of about a half dozen What How many are there? Five in print. Five in print, let's hear them again. There's the Kichatama on how to buy a Luluf and Estrig. There's the Kaaba Schaefer, which is sort of our topic today, is Mastering Schaefer Blowing. The new book that we're just distributed to the, yesterday and today to the stores is Easy Schaefer Blowing Guide. There is Zeka Parasi, about the Minig of Kaparis, and 
Chalutz Anal about the mitzvah of Chalitza. These are the five books that are currently in print. And with time, Bez Hashem will hopefully have a book about matzahs. Yeah, we, we did a story. We, we, did, that. Yeah, we spoke about that. Pesach, but yeah. there was a booklet. There's a pamphlet, but it's not a published book available in the stores. Well, that should be. That was a very good one. It was a great show, and I, I, I think the booklet itself, I saw the booklet, it was, it was very good. I think we just have to push that one through this yeah, year. Yeah, <laughs> we always work on that. Okay, okay so, my questions. Yes. Okay, let's sound, you know, let's say that, uh, what, that Kia, Shvarim, and Tua. If we, uh, we can just put it on, on the order, and how many uh, up and down, and how, okay? Well, I'm sure you've been to shul and you know what it's No, 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 I know. <laughs> that kia is it, but the tua is, is a very... Uh, tua seems to be an open topic, yeah. yes. Okay. The precise sound of the kia, the shvarim, and the tua is really depends on the minig where the people come from. There's slight variations in all three sounds depending on where you come from. The more yeshivish brisk you are, the more flat you want Yeshua, the Tukia to sound like. It should be perfectly flat. There shouldn't be a change in tone, right. even at any point. It's perfectly smooth and flat. The Hasidim like that there should be a little bit of a hook, what they call oh, at, the, at, at the end of a Tukia, yeah. because although the Kimbisrua, they want to demonstrate that uh. in the Tukia itself, they want to demonstrate all the Kimbisrua that there's a little Kinech at the little hook at where it goes up uh, the tone right, rises right, a little bit right. at the end of a tekiah hopefully we do it in a video we'll just we see it more strongly uh, what about by the svadim what is more uh, common no, what i don't know i don't know the svadim blow i never i the, never we, we have a, a little bit top you know. a little bit yeah. yeah the shivarim in most of the world is just like short flat tekiahs right most of the world blows is like that but the Russians, whether what we call the Litvish, the Yeshivish, the Hasidim, the, the, the Lubavitch, Stalin, the people that came from Russia, all blew what, uh, some kind of broke, it's called the broken shvarm, with a, some kind of knech in the middle of the shvarm. There's little differences between the different organizations, the groups, between the Briskas, the old Litvish, the Yeshivish, between the Lubavitch, the Stalin, the, each one does it a little bit differently. So I can't describe each one separately, but there's a, a shvarim that's flat and a shvarim which is broken. That I can, the basic broken shvarim I can demonstrate on the, on the, on the radio. Just give me one second. Go ahead. Let's see if we can do the flat shvarim first. That's the shorter flat shvarim, which is probably... It, which is, in my opinion, there is another shvarim which people blow, slightly different, slightly longer. This is kosher according to the Magen Avram, but what was the not difference? all the shvarim. What was the difference? What was the difference? The, the length of the individual pieces. Uh-huh. In the first shvarim that I blew, the individual pieces were shorter, which is more mohudah according to the Mishnah Bura. The second shvarim was a little bit longer pieces, which is according to Ramah and Magen is perfect. What about the There's no reason to do right? the, that, That's the first difference yeah. in the shvarims. Yeah. That's the first difference in the shvarims. Now we're going to do a different style of shvarim altogether. Yeah. 
Yeah. That was a three-piece shawarm. Right. There's three notes in that shawarm. Now we'll do it a little different. Did you hear the difference? Yes, it's shorter. The second shawarm is shorter. It only had two notes. The first shawarm had three notes. If you want to understand the difference, I explained this at length in the original book. I have several pages, about four or five pages, to explain why each shawarm is done the way it's done. There's a few other varieties in the broken shawarm. Depends where you... Go where you're about to care, the the Macri, the Rav, whoever is in charge, how he wants it done. But now we're asking about the Trua. Yeah, the Trua. The Trua is. Um, <laughs> Don't forget Trua. <laughs> the Trua is the sound that most people find the hardest to blow. There's three basic styles in a Trua. And I can blow it and tell you how I did it. That's the standard true that you hear in most Ashkenaz places, where I'm blowing straight into the shoifer, and I'm moving my tongue in my mouth up and down as if I'm saying words like toot or tat, something like that, where it has a double T sound, so you can say it very quickly. It's a very fast movement, up and down, up and down, up and down, and that gives me the sound. The ear is, the ear, I'm blowing the ear straight. My lips are smooth. Not moving my lips, the tongue. and then my tongue is not getting chas any place near my shoifer. That's the worst thing about the K can do is to ever get his tongue near the shoifer. That's that's guaranteed failure. If you get your tongue near your shoifer, I move my tongue up and down inside my mouth, and that breaks the ear column to make that sound. And the number of them is nine, or is there a different number? We, or we don't know what we we're doing. Uh, I never tell the guy to blow nine. Halachically. You're supposed to blow nine lechatchila. According to Mishabura, if you blew only three, the Mishabura says yoytib di'eved. That's the sheet of Rashi. The Mechaber quotes it. Mishabura says yoytib di'eved. You only blew three, but most people cannot hear as fast as you can blow. So if you blew only nine, most people won't be able to count the nine. nine. <laughs> so I tell everybody to blow at least fifteen. Fifteen, most people think. How is many nine. did you just blow now? I didn't count, but I'm sure it's more than. I'm sure it's like twelve or thirteen. <laughs> it wasn't the full fifteen, because you're because you're doing because you're doing it halacha. You don't want to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now there's another type of trua, which is you, you make the sound as if you were trying to, pretend you were a, jackhammer, or a drill. When you, were, you know little kids like to do this, they they roll their tongue, mm-hmm. make a jackhammer sound. Right? So you make that sound with your tongue in your mouth while you're blowing the shoifer. And that gets a different type of chua. It sounds different. I never heard that. Yeah, this, uh, you heard many, that? Yeah, yes. You, you yes. heard that? Blow it like yes. this. Yeah, like that? Some swear, some, yes. Sort of. It's, sort they of do, it's, so again, it's all tongue. It's all tongue. All tongue. So the, this one was it's just... It's a much faster chua. Oh, unbelievable. I never heard it in my life. I have to go over there this year. Check it out. <laughs> wow. Oh. Okay. The, the third type of trua is to blast nine blasts of ear from your stomach into the shoifer. 
That must be harder. It's much harder. <laughs> it's much harder. That's how the Timanum blow. That's how the Yakis blow. They, as if they do nine sighs. <sighs> nine blasts of air from the stomach into the shaifer. Can you do it for us? Um, even I can if do it's it. Not, it's not, a, even if it's not going to be Yotze in those communities. I'm not, I'm just not a, 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 a Sfadi. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a Yemenite. I'm not a Yaki. Just the, the, I, I don't even blow if you don't, I'm not going to count if it's nine either. You know I, I don't blow in Shul, but let, it let's can be see, five would be good for us also. No, I'm not that working yet. No, no. Sounds like separate completely. Yeah, they're totally separate. Well, if you, when they, they, when they, they do it, it they say they can, yeah, they're trained to do it very fast, very quick, wow. consecutive, and they do it, it sounds like it's almost I want one the, sound. I want the people to know. But it's totally separate. I want the people to know that when he tried to blow that, he was working the hardest at getting the stomach. <laughs> yeah, I'm not an actual but the really, the real reason we couldn't get it out is because you're not, you're not stupid. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting, <laughs> leaning back. I'm doing all, I'm doing all the wrong, all things, the wrong in this, things here in the studio, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, um, you have any more questions? <laughs> for, for our guest yeah. now okay uh the the that you know i would say that uh, the mishnah are talking about if you do one thing, the, I one, one more thing just uh, yeah in, for the original question how long is it to kill gazela so when we practice we practice we like to blow our kiss really nice and long um, that's the problem I, we aim for 30 to 45 seconds Whoa. wow yeah that's, very that's when you want to build up stamina and endurance you do 45 seconds for the kia um, somebody once sent me a clip of a Rebbe who probably learned from my book because he did everything exactly we described in the book, who blows his tekiah doyla for over a minute. Ooh, wow. Not a big deal if, you're, if you practice and you follow the instructions. It's not, it's not hard to do. It's but up. how long should halacha be tekiah doyla be? There's no halacha tekiah doyla. It's not mentioned in Shulchan Aruch. It's not mentioned mm. in any place. The Mishmur barely mentions it when, when the, the Mechaber says to blow a true doyla at the end of the day one final trua without a tekiah before or after, one final trua gedoyla, the Mishmur says we don't do that, we do a tekiah. But there's no halachas about tekiah gedoyla. But one thing about tekiah has to have in mind is that he's not showing off. It's Rosh Hashanah. He's standing before Hashem. He's being malad of the schusim of Klai Yisrael in front of the Eivishter. This is not a time to be showing off, A. And B is that Mishmur brings it, Maril says, that it's very important that every single person listen and have a mind to be yotza the entire sound from beginning to end. If a person blows a kia for three seconds, five seconds, six seconds, his audience is listening. When he blows for eight seconds, 10 seconds, 12 seconds, people are saying it's long enough already. The people who, st- who in their mind thought it's long enough stopped listening. They stopped having a mind to fill a mitzvah. According to Maril, they were not yotza that tekiah altogether. They're missing one tekiah. That's not the way we want to do things. So about the Kaya should blow in shul his tekiah gedoyla, not much longer than a regular tekiah. If the regular tekiah, let's say according to some sheets, is four seconds, six seconds, don't do it more than seven or eight seconds. Well, in, uh, the shuls that are, I'm not going to say where I daven, but wherever I daven, uh, usually if the if the baltekaya doesn't do a good tekiah uh, uh, gedoyla, he's going to repeat, end up repeating it. Which is sort no of, it, it seems like it's, 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 halakhali, it's, un- it's not, unnecessary. It's not, it's not spoken about in Shulchan Aruch yeah. or in Mishnah Bura. Unbelievable. We got a whole bunch of calls. I hope they're professionals. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're on Kashus on the air. Can we help you? Only on, only on, this, only on the topic, though. 
Okay, you're on Kashmir's on the air uh, with Rabbi Avram, right? Oh, we're not. You're on yes, Kashmir's like on the air with Hello? Rabbi. You're on. You're on the air with Rabbi Avram, yes, right? I'd like to know. I've seen in different kaimis, different minhagim. The kigadolus are done by the end or by every step. There's so many different minhagim. It's impossible to go through them. There are so many. There are machzorim that have it printed every time, and the machzorim that don't even bother printing to put the kigadola because the minhagim are so varied. In the Litvish Yeshivas, they don't even announce the word Gedolo because they consider the extra word a hefsek. So <laughs> it gets even more confusing. The answer to your question is I don't know. It really depends on the Minig, probably of the Rav or the Makri, or whoever's making the decisions. Okay. Thank you. Go ahead. You're unconscious on the air. Go ahead, please. Okay. Uh, first, a uh, big thank you uh, for this program. And I like to raise the idea that just like with Shita and Mila, there is like a Kabbalah given by like a certification or a bonus ordination. So maybe there should be the Tkia Shofar, like a, like a Kabbalah, like the teacher should certify that the student is a what level that he's qualified. Do you have any thoughts about this such a thing? That's definitely an interesting question and definitely an original idea. Really, every rav and every shul should be deciding on who's acceptable for him and his kehillah to blow. And I think that that's what happens right now, is that the rabbanim interview the perspective of Balitakeya, or they choose them if it's, a, if it's a, like the dayan or the other, some other professional from the shul. They choose, they, choose, they choose the person based on his qualifications. Some people are looking for the person who's the best blower. Some people, people look, some are bottom are looking for the person who's the biggest tzaddik. His, not, they don't mind so much if he's less capable, but they, because they want his schusim. So he may not be certified as the best blower. He may not have passed the course on blowing, but he has the most schusim. And for some people, that's the most important thing. Okay, and another thing, uh, do you think that masses show for more and more people to learn Shofar, like, for example, the Babichas go around in Rosh Hashanah as part of their mitzvah operations. You know, they they walk in in Ocean Park and they're going around long shofar for people. So, in other words, if there are more people sitting on the benches, so if there are more people that are qualified, maybe can reach uh, some of these people who might not come to shul or whatever, or people in the hospital. So, it's a good idea, you think, that more and more people should... Yeah, learn the chokhmah that you're teaching. I think everyone has to learn the chokhmah of caring about another Jew. And no question if a if person knows how to blow, and a lot of people do that, they do with Kriyas and Megillah, people give away a lot of their time. It's, that's a mitzvah. Uh, but obviously you have to be qualified. I don't know if uh, training more people would help unless the people want to do it. So if somebody wants to do that, they can always take it on. It's not really... Uh, a function outside of the person themselves, I think. I'm going to tell you something interesting. On the way over here tonight, on the way over here tonight, I stopped off at Ferris Dam. On the way, yeah. about around 5.37 it was, I went to say hello to Heshi Pincus. And I, I knew it was 5.37, I looked at my clock to see if it's maybe on time. And he told me, he wanted to tell me a following story that Josh Silverman's, remember Oh, him? very, very well. Gave every kid a bar mitzvah present, a shofar, 
in order that they should learn to blow shofar and be available to help the masses of Klai Yisrael who need to hear shofar blowing. Very nice. So, it, well, so the, you're hearing that it is a good idea, definitely. So let the yeshivas take it on. Or <laughs> Pirche. <laughs> yeah, somebody should take it. Thank you very much for the call. Okay. You're on Kashus on the air. Can we help you? Yes, I'd just like to know how he blew that and sounded like a jackhammer. How did he do that? He wanted to do that, that one, that, the short one. Exactly like a jackhammer. The way a kid would produce a jackhammer sound by rolling his tongue or like they were doing, the, you know, that type of sound that kids do when they try to pretend they're a jackhammer. You do that, you make that sound when you have a shafer on your lips. The shafer is obviously on the side of your mouth, and that sound is being produced from your tongue and the front of your mouth, but it works. Try it. Try it first once or twice without the shafer. Then try it with the shafer. <laughs> Thank you for the call. I just want to ask you a question. Um, there's somebody that I know who is who had a tremendous problem, and I'm sure this is very, very common. He had, he had a problem that he would prepare all summer and he would be perfect in all of his tachias, everything was perfect. Came the, 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 the Rosh Hashanah, Yom Enroyim came, and the Amosa the Tzibor, he lost it. Now, is, I'm, I mean, they, they we're talking about normal people, no, no psychological problems. So the question is, how can somebody counteract that? Because he's now responsible to blow for the chauffeur for the, for the people. And, and uh, sometimes people just can't do it. That's an interesting question. It's, it's a common problem. And it's something that I discuss in both books. But Give us some of the secrets. The Balintikeya... <laughs> No, the real reason why we blow shoifer during Elul is for the Baltikeya to practice in front of the audience <laughs> and get used to it. So you mean maybe this fellow doesn't do it, doesn't it, do it on, on, on Elul? Every Baltikeya, certainly any new Baltikeya, should make sure to blow every single day during Elul in Shul at least at one minute. Right. That's the point. And you say even more than one minute, you're saying. Be a good I idea. have a Baltikeya that I trained for this year to blow in Shul. A fellow, we started around Shul's time. That's the right time for a new guy to start. And he came to Shul the first day of Elul. I was there. And he blew. And he sounded like need improvement. He blew this morning, and I told people that one day he's going to be better than me. Really? That's one week. In one week? One week of blowing in Elul. One week of blowing in Elul in Shul. He, he, he went from, yeah, he had practiced a lot before that, but, then, right. but one week in, of blowing in Shul in El, he went from need improvement to on the road to becoming a top. So you think class. that even though it's a small oilam on a regular weekday, it gives the person the concept that's definitely I, I would say that uh, it's it's belong this question belongs to Mordechai Weinberg Rabbi Mordechai Weinberg <laughs> it's a question because I, I would say that uh, when you blow the shofar what, any, any, when you go to the Amud and stuff you don't 
concert, yes, you, have, you, you are the driver, you are the lawyer of this, the, the, but you have to see where you, where, where you want to, to bring your uh, shofar, where you want to be the sound, is uh, in front of our, the heaven, they open the gate of heaven, you don't look, at the, you don't look about the people around you, don't get this, just see that you're standing in front of Gadosh Baruch Hu and wow. uh, standing, on, this, is my, uh, this is my interpretation about it, you know, and I forget about all well, the world. Let me ask you this, because you did do it this last year, you no, took no, over. No, no, okay, uh, whatever, uh, for a short time, okay. But did you did you feel different? But than... def- definitely, definitely, it's not question, you know, that some, you give your neshama, you give your soul of this, you know. I'm telling you, it's something that, uh, it's nothing to do with, you know, if you are a Talmud Chacham, that's something what you blow, and you just really blow all your soul, all the shima. That's what I want to ask about also the, 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 the breathing, you know, that if we took, took two, two breaths, the one breath, you know, all the, all the, you know, the shulchan, the, the what do you call it, the Mishnabua talking about it. So if you can... Um... I don't finish the first topic. Okay. Just tell, to tell the caller that this is a very basic question that every Baltikei has to deal with. And we talk about it extensively in both books. The idea of being nervous. I was and, the one. Oh, Yeah, we talk about this extensively, yeah. extensively in both books. How to deal with the stage fright. The other question about one breath, two breaths, is that the Mechalikis between the Mechaber and the Ramah, which goes back into the Rishonim, is does the Shoram true is supposed to be one sound or two sounds? Right. Meaning like this. The Mechaber says that if a person blows a Shvarim in two different sounds, it's the wrong way to do it. He blows a Shvarim. One, two, two, stop, take a breath. The next sound. That's the wrong way to do it. Machalikis in the Achrein, whether he's Yitz or not Yitz, Ma'akev, it's not Ma'akev. That's, that's Machalikis. But it's definitely the wrong thing to do to stop and take a breath. If you do take a breath between the sounds, it's considered two different sounds. It's based on the Gemara and Sukkah. That a breath between sounds makes the two sounds. But what about that? The Machalikis we're showing them, if the Shvarim Teruah, which we blow together, the Shvarim Teruah is one sound, or it's two sounds. If it's one sound, you want to blow them without a breath. If it's two sounds, you want to blow them with a breath. When we count the hundred koilis, we de- always count it as two separate sounds. But when we blow it in shul, we try to be machim with both shittas and blow one time, one set, in in the, uh, in before shemun we blow together. Sorry, we blow, we blow, yeah, we blow together in one breath. And during Shemineswe, whether Ashkenaz or Svar, during, during quiet Shemineswe, during Chalor Shaz, mm-hmm. we blow it as two separate sounds. Just one, uh, uh, I forgot what I was going to say there. But appropriate to what he was talking about before, maybe we could say that the, uh, the Amosad at Sibur is not just the Amosad at Sibur, because he feels that he's really Omeid Lefnei Hashem, and he feels Kaddish Baruch is watching him right now. It could be that's the Amosad, the, the, the Malkit, that's the real, it could be the really real thoughts goes well, through his mind. Halavai, we all feel it. When we that's right. Shaper. I want to thank everybody for listening and coming. Uh, uh, thank you, Rabbi Wright, for coming in again. It's always a pleasure to have you. And you don't have to, you don't have to write a safer to come in here. Okay, come whenever you like. But I, I want to tell the oil that next week we have a very special guest. I'm not going to tell you who it is. It's a uh, young person, and it's going to be a very exciting show, not like anything I ever did on the show in the last five years. It's going to be very, very unique, and uh, you'll, a lot of people will enjoy it, and especially people who are Bali Tshuva, but it's going to be about Kashrus and very, very interesting. Tune in Bez, next week. Yeah, Bezal Shem will be also the video and the demonstration. Yes, the video will be on Wednesday, okay. and then people can, can go to the site when? In the evening? 
Yes. When, when, in the evening, they can go into the site and yeah. see uh, how to blow the chauffeur with Rabbi Avram Wright. Thank you Thank for listening. You.